Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be going over yesterday's Thunder Timberwolves game, what we can take away from that one, and how we can implement it in tonight's game because we are playing Minnesota yet again at 7 p.m. So, a little bit of tips on what to expect and who maybe we could be looking for again to impress tonight. So, just going into Friday's game, bit interesting here because the Thunder had to roll out with the bare minimum of 8 players, and if you know from my preview, I was hyping up Teo Maladon as potentially having a big game, well, he didn't even play because like hours before the game, he ended up getting ruled out, I believe it was due to some like protocol, I think they picked up on him last second, so the Thunder, they only had 8 guys, and if you guys know, 8 is the minimum minimum like if you have seven no there's no game so the thunder they had to scrap together a pretty futile lineup here they only were able to have Baisley, horford roby kenrich williams and diallo that was your starting five and then off the bench they had darius miller justin jackson and mike muscala so there was no true point guard in this lineup hamadou diallo had to play the one not really a real two here so kenrich williams he's more of a three he's six foot seven so he kind of slides in at the two. I think you could put him there. So he started at the two and then off the bench, you had to have Miller, Jackson, and Muscala all playing different pieces around the roster. And for the Timberwolves, I mean, they kind of had their main group of guys playing for them. The only people that did not play, Juan Hernan Gomez. I think they had Ed Davis out, but whatever, man. And Carl Anthony Towns. So they had their core group of guys there. They had Russell. He was a game time. He got to play. They had Anthony Edwards playing. They had Nas Reed playing. Malik Beasley was playing. Pretty much everyone you expected to see from them. We'll say Jared Culver was also out, but it is what it is. Anyways, the Thunder actually matched up with these guys quite well, and the game started emphatically. Hamadou Diallo, like, read the the tip off or whatever. He wasn't even looking to recover it from Al Horford. He was looking at Nas Reed. Nas Reed tips it back trying to tip it back to one of his guys, and Diallo just sprints right towards the ball, snags it, and gets a quick two points, and right down on the other end, I believe it was Isaiah Roby, he got a turnover, passed it up, and the Thunder scored yet again, so they scored four points in the blink of an eye, they actually scored six in the first 50 seconds, and totaled up to an 8-0 run to kick off the game, so they Thunder they they looked natural. I mean, it looked like they were playing just as they were on Wednesday. Didn't have SGA. Didn't even have Maladone. No problems. They looked really smooth with it. But then the Timberwolves got on a 13-2 run, and they kind of put a little statement into the first quarter. So, I mean, they got their run in. We got ours in. By the end of the first, the Timberwolves were up just two points. They were up 25-23. to So a real gritty battle from start to finish in those first 12 minutes and for the thunder i mean the game plan it was more about just attacking inside eight of their first 10 points ended up coming from inside while the timberwolves i mean they were kind of just space things out they have a lot of guards pretty guard heavy i'd probably compare it to maybe like the charlotte hornets almost you got a little bit of a punch here with russell you also gotta take into account they have malik beasley Anthony Edwards as well, and then off the bench, they have Ricky Rubio, so really just guard-centric when it comes to how they're playing without Carl Anthony Towns, but 
I mean, they were able to make their marks. They were trying to jack up threes a lot. They shot just 2 of 10 there. However, they did see some big production from Malik Beasley. He was one of the only guys who was actually hot outside early. He shot 2 of 4. Got 10 points in that first quarter. So he just taking them on their back. The other guards didn't help out, but Malik Beasley, he was the truth going up against Ken Rich Williams and company in the first quarter. So going in the second, the Timberwolves, they actually continued to just dominate. They went on a mini 8-0 run to start the second quarter. So already getting a double-digit lead. And I think one of the main reasons that was the case Al Horford, he was kind of giving Nas Reed some space on high ball screens, and it was to the point where he was kind of leaking out to the mid-range, and if Reed wanted to go out for a three ball, he wouldn't be there, and Reed's faster than Horford, so him driving in, he'd still have time to get by him and go for a shot, so he was kind of positioning himself in a weird spot we're not really accustomed to, and I mean, the ball handlers on the pick and roll knew that, they were throwing bounce passes over to Reed to get him his buckets. They didn't always have to go to the pick and roll for points. I think Nas Reed just kind of went inside a couple times, get a little post-up moves on Horford for the quick two. But they were really going into the center position for their points. However, the Thunder, they actually got into the swing of things. You know, even though they were down 10 at one point, they went on a 23-11 run in the final six minutes, ending with a seismic Hamadou Diallo jam. He had 12 points in that first half alone, so really just making some statements early on. And there was actually more to this, too. More than just 12 points for Diallo. I will go into that in a little bit. But pretty solid stuff. I mean, the Thunder were actually leading at half, 55-51. to 51, And it was off a great field goal shooting. They were shooting 57% from the field through that first half. Timberwolves, only 39%. So... That's really what you're looking at here. The Thunder were getting a lot of closer buckets. They only shot 15 threes. Timberwolves shot 20. Both of them hit five apiece. So not really anything going from either side from three. At least the Thunder recognized that and wanted to go inside more. And because of that, they were getting more free throws. They had an 11-6 advantage from the charity stripe through that first half. But going into the third quarter... Anthony Edwards, he was getting a string of shots to fall down, and so was D'Angelo Russell. So they kind of got Malik Beasley as that like pick-me-up guy. He was the one who got things going early. He didn't have much help. He finally got the help in guards Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. So they were stretching the court out a lot in that third quarter. They were able to hit eight three balls in that quarter. As I mentioned, only five from them in the first half. So they're stretching out. They're getting a lot more points. And the Thunder, they kind of just had to stick to shooting from the perimeter. They only had three three-pointers to go in the third quarter. And that's kind of where the Timberwolves started trying to take this game away from the Thunder. They ended up getting on the high side, 87-81 to 81 through three. So Thunder had to go over a six-point comeback. And that's not a problem because the Timberwolves, they have had issues this whole season kind of coughing up leads. I think they were up 16 points to enter the fourth quarter against the Spurs in their last one. They ended up losing that game by three points. So you're thinking maybe the OKC bench can string something up and take this one away heading into today's game. And it actually looked like that was going to be feasible because they went on a quick 11-5 run in those first three minutes of the quarter, 
lead was just down at three points and it was coming from downtown they were all about going inside they started going outside and they started looking at the bench pieces and Darius Miller and Mike Muscala they hit three triples in those three minutes two of those came from Darius Miller so he had a good game with them he didn't have a lot of minutes but he was producing Muscala also able to get a big shot there and guess what they kept fighting with it Justin Jackson of all people he tied this game up with six minutes 30 seconds to go he drained a three-pointer are you kidding me you just know the Thunder are on a roll when Justin Jackson starts feeling it so tied 92 to 92 but it was a fluke because the Timberwolves went on a 7-1 run in three minutes to have a six-point lead and to fire back Darius Baisley who he had his moments here and there in the game but his kind of big moment Kodak moment I guess you could say he hit a big three to cut it to three again Justin Jackson got a steal he's running down the court he kind of like it's like a fast break I believe it was like a two on one or three up no 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 it was a three on two I think actually so Justin Jackson we all know he's not the most agile guy on the court and I was afraid he was going to go for like a pull-up three, like the things you see in 2K where you have a wide open drive, but you want to pop a three. Yeah, I thought Justin Jackson would do that because he kind of wasn't going full force to the basket. He ends up lingering to the wing, kind of had some room, but he paused. He dumps it to Kenrich Williams inside and Kenrich Williams, he attracts the defender down low and he makes another extra pass to Darius Baisley and he gets a quick dunk. So a 5-0 run orchestrated from the Thunder through Darius Baisley cut that game down to one point. And then you had Nas Reed for the Timberwolves. He kind of got back into the motions of things. He hit an inside bucket right after that. Kenrich Williams, he also goes inside on D'Angelo Russell. So back and forth here. And then D'Angelo Russell, he hits a quick mid-range. So you're kind of just fighting over this one-point lead and three-point lead for the Timberwolves. And the Thunder, they wanted to put that to a halt. They did not want to keep shooting twos. They wanted the threes. So they went to a high ball screen with Al Horford. Hamadou Diallo, he had to be running the one a lot. So he's taking it up. Looks like he's going to go drive in. He gets the nice screen from Al Horford. He kind of shields his body around at the mid-range to stop Nas Reed from going up on Horford. Creates that block, dumps it back down to Horford. He has a wide open top of the key three-pointer. Mr. Consistent, but he missed it. Luckily, though, Kenrich Williams gets the offensive rebound off the loose ball. It gets Al Horford back for the reload, and he gets it to go. So the game gets tied yet again. And the Thunder actually had a chance to take the lead because Minnesota, they choked up. They botched up one of their plays, and Hamadou Diallo had a chance to get the Thunder on the high side. He ended up driving in for a layup, but he missed the shot. And then right on the other end, D'Angelo Russell has Diallo on him at the top of the key. He pulls it. He drained it with 2.9 seconds to go. Minnesota up three. Thunder get one more shot at it. Kenrich Williams is the inbound man. He kind of takes a lot of time to get this ball in. The Timberwolves, they were applying a lot of pressure. I will say they were able to advance the ball. So you're looking at Kenrich Williams trying to chuck this thing in from the right sideline. And he ends up getting the ball 
down to Al Horford. But Al Horford was not at the three-point range. He was around maybe like five feet in from the wing. He had to dump it out to someone who was open for three. And that man was Hamadou Diallo. He was out like 30 feet away from the basket. That's still a three-pointer. Goes over to Diallo. He gives a little hesitation to get his man flying up in the air. So he gets a wide open shot, but he drained precious time. He had to get off a really fast release on target, but just not a lot of umph in it. Ends up hitting the front iron, and the Timberwolves were able to barely scrape this game out. 106 to 103. Really close through and through. There were 19 lead changes in this game. So. It's a real testament to how well this bench unit was able to adapt. Sure, you can say Minnesota, they're not the best team in the league. Still have some nice pieces there, and they gave them a run for their money. Main reason why the Timberwolves were able to win this game, they got hot from three. If it was not for their three-point prowess in that second half, the Thunder would have stormed away with the game. They shot 11 of 20 from three-pointer in the second half. So that was their real rally cry. They had a couple of solid players in this one to help them out from downtown. Mainly, I'm talking the duo of Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell. Those two combined for 45 points. D'Angelo Russell went 5 of 8 from 3. Malik Beasley went 6 of 12 from 3. So they accounted for 11 of the 16 threes they ended up making in that game. So we cannot stop their little duo right there. They also had another real anchor down low for them. Nas Reed, he quietly dropped 17 points and 9 rebounds in 28 minutes. Didn't really have to shoot a lot from 3. He's a 42% shooter out there. Just shot one time. It was off the mark. It was all coming inside off the pick and rolls and him just taking whoever he had to have on him because it was not just Al Horford on him. There were other matchups he had to face. Nas Reed was taking advantage when he could, and that's why he was able to shoot at such a high field goal percentage of 8-12. For the Thunder, though, even though they did not come up with the victory, still a lot of great moments from this game. And I really just sum this up to three different categories on what I loved. I loved the energy shown. I loved how everyone was spreading the love around with the basketball. And there was just a lot of experimentation in this game. Goes to the players as well as the coaching staff. Loved what I saw from them. I think the real embodiment of this, I think someone who kind of got all three of these categories, was Hamadou Diallo. And I didn't want to dissect him into all three of these categories. I wanted to just talk about him as one because his game was a real breakthrough. You know, if I'm talking about Hamadou Diallo in the last couple years, if I mentioned him being a good enough like decision maker with the ball in his hands, I'd probably get laughed at. That's just how it is. You know, in his three years of experience with the team, in those first two, couldn't really depend on him for that much. He was kind of just that shot chucker who kind of could get you those double digit performances every once in a while. But number one, Billy Donovan really did not ever use him enough. So it's kind of this little tug of war between him and Terrence Ferguson. I guess Billy Donovan liked, uh, whatever Terrence Ferguson was doing, so Diallo was kind of left in the dust, but when he did play, he kind of just got in a shot chucking mode, he had tunnel vision, he's changed that uh, in a big way, and it has not always shown in the assist category, like he has been able 
to provide decent assist numbers this season. Uh, as a total, when you're looking at just how he has done in this year, he's averaging 2.3. In the years prior, he's averaged 0.8 and 0.3. Rookie season, obviously, you got to take it with a grain of salt because he's playing just 10 minutes. But his sophomore year, just around 20 minutes again. So the big jump there, we are talking like, what, 1.5 increase in the assists? And he has not really been the forefront of the offense until this game. Like in the second unit, he has, but he's really just been the primary focus. Like when you see him off the bench, you know he's going to score. But with no Maladone, with no SGA, no George Hill, he had to be the point guard. It was just kind of, as Mark Dagnall put it, like selection by committee. Diallo was the only guy they had who somewhat made sense. So they threw him in at the point guard spot and he shined. It wasn't just the points. I talked about 12 points in that first half. Well, he had eight assists to go along with that. And by the end of the game, Hamadou Diallo had 16 points on 6 of 13 shooting, two boards, and a career-high 10 assists. He gets the double-double in the most improbable way you would think of. We've seen him get, you know, a ton of rebounds. Assists like this? No way. He really filled in like perfectly for what we needed driving dish wise excellent a couple of those possessions late you know you can kind of knock him whenever there was a chance to take the lead you know I mentioned he missed a driving layup he could have easily slowed down the offense gone into the half court and got something to go kind of just forced up a shot you can't sum it down to that one play man and you can't sum it down to him maybe hesitating too long on his game winner and not stepping up on Russell it is what it is. You take it how you will. This was probably Hamadou Diallo's best game of the year in terms of what he sh he's shown us because we have always seen Hamadou Diallo be vicious around the basket. That's not something new. The 16 points for him, truthfully, does not pop up the page, especially when you're looking at him shoot 13 times. 6 of 13 is lower than what he's usually averaging. Like His percentages are normally a lot higher than that. But the aggression's always been there. What has not been there has been the great decision-making. And the, there was great decision-making through, like, the first 44 minutes of the game. In the last four minutes, it was a bit iffy. It does not matter. Can you seriously depend on him every single night to be averaging 10 assists? Clearly, I mean, he's not going to be playing at the point guard role once one of the other guys come through. But off the bench, could you see him averaging, like, five assists, maybe? I think it's a possibility. I think Hamadou Diallo has got such a bigger understanding of the game now. Before, he always took it as a one-on-one -on -one competition. This guy, I mean, he's from the Bronx. I mean, he's taking it as like street ball. Every man for himself kind of mentality. He's dunking on everybody, going through contact. He, it's kind of just how he's been playing his whole entire life. He, it's been ingrained in him. You know, if you guys remember seeing like any of the old mixtapes he's had, this guy was vicious. Every single time he had a chance to take someone ISO, he'd do it. And he's still done that. Done it every time we've really seen him. Not as much, you know, looking at other options. And he started doing that. You got to give Hamadou Diallo credit. And there is a seed of potential here when it comes to playmaking. Because he has not had a chance like this at all in his career. And he may actually have it again tonight when we play the Timberwolves. Honestly, I'm kind of hoping we get to see Diallo strap up once again at the one. 
Maladone, it'd be cool to see him, but we know he could pass. We've seen that throughout his scouting reports and some of the games he's had with us. Hamidou Diallo has never had a game such as this, where he had to be a big passer. He took the challenge, and he did exactly what Mark Dagnall wanted. You gotta love what you saw from Mr. Hamidou Diallo in this game. But looking into just these separate categories... You start with the energy. Diallo, of course he did that. I mean, this guy was like the energizer, bunny, attacking everyone on drives. Just doing what he does inside. And even when he was trying to, like, drive in again, but he realized there was a lapse in the defense, specifically on Al Horford, you know what he would do? He would make sure Nas Reed was camped down low, and then he'd hit, like, a beautiful behind-the-back bounce pass to Horford. He did that at least twice, to what I remember. And Al Horford, if you leave him wide open, he's going to hit it probably three out of four times. He was knocking the shots down when Diallo helped him out, and that's how he got to those 10 assists. But looking outside of Diallo, you got to talk about Isaiah Roby. He was very active on the boards. He was looking like he did whenever he had to take the first stint of starting games, just beasting on the glass, tapping it out, doing whatever he needs to do, scrapping for everything. And, I mean, he was trying to be active on defense. He ended up getting three steals on the game and three blocks. So he was all about contesting shots. He took the role that was necessary, that Dort role almost. Now, going to maybe why his stats were so well in one of my other categories, but he really stepped up when it came to intensity. He has gotten the biggest load of his career thus far with 34 minutes, and he took it, and he completely balled out, even without you know, the defensive stats. He put up 11 points with those seven rebounds of his. And a lot of the reason why he got those 11 points, he was very, very patient when attacking the basket. He was double pumping almost every time. We saw this in the previous game on Wednesday where he would try to initiate contact, kind of just bump off to create the room. Kind of doing that to the same standard, except instead of like pushing off, He's just pump faking a couple times. Once he gets you airborne, he knows he gotcha, and that's how he's able to chip in his buckets. And even Kenrich Williams, getting called up to the starting unit for the first time in a Thunder jersey, also having to play a huge role. He played 36 minutes, second most on the team outside of Diallo. He played 37. Great performance. Offensively, he had these smaller guys on him, so kept taking the matchup. He shot four of six in the game, one of two from outside for his nine points. He had four rebounds, even playing as a shooting guard. Excellent. Two assists and two steals. So he had a matchup against the Timberwolves guards. So he's looking at D'Angelo Russell a lot of the times. He's looking at Malik Beasley oftentimes and even Anthony Edwards. He took it and played solid with that high of Minutes for someone who really has not cracked more than 20 most of these games. He did a very good job filling in, and he kind of, I mean, I'm not going to say he played the Dort role. I, actually, you know what? I think you could, in a sense, like both Roby and him did. To the same standard, like Dort, 100% of the time, will lock you down. I think Kendrick Williams, he did, a, he did a pretty good job in the large sample size that he was playing. So, love to see the hustle from him. He's Kenny Hustle for a reason. And one of the things that all of this led to with a combination of not just these three guys, but really just everyone who played, the team was able to get 10 steals. They were able to get seven blocks 
and they got 25 points off of turnovers. That is the second most that they have had this entire season. And, you know, one of the reasons they were able to get 25 points off the turnovers, they were spreading the love. And even in the half court, they were spreading the love around. They got a season high, or tied, I guess, for a season high of 28 assists in the game. We saw Hamadou Diallo as a primary distributor. But how about the big man, Al Horford? He had eight assists in the game, and he was used as a threat outside, almost like the Nikola Jokic role, where he wants to stand out at the perimeter, get a lot of cuts in, and then he will throw the ball around. You love it from him. Him trying to be one of the main pieces helped us a lot because Nas Reed was not prepared for it. I don't think the Timberwolves were looking for a center-heavy game from the Thunder, especially based on how we only have Horford and Muscala. But that's exactly what ended up happening, and it caught them by surprise for sure. Seven of our eight players had an assist in this game. The only man who did not was Mike Muscala. But Mike Muscala, you already know, he's posted up at the three at all times. He's your catch-and-shoot man. He shot four of nine on the game and three of six from outside. And he even got eight rebounds to go along with his 13 points. So he was not really about passing. He's more the shooter. We've always known that. And he played very solid for what his role has been. Get this, though. And this was the thing that I think was caught me biggest by surprise. 71.9% of the Thunder's field goals came assisted in this game. Now, I don't know where to find this in the record books, and I'm not going to say this is a record, but that's almost three out of every four field goals that are made. They're coming off the pass. I don't think we've seen that. A lot of the times, you're looking at SGA driving in and just doing things on his own. Whenever he kicks out, yeah, that should be an assist. But it's kind of slowed down, and there's a lot more isolations. In this game, there were pretty much no isolations. Everyone wanted to touch the ball, and even when there was a wide-open look, it was always pass it up because there is always going to be a better one. That's how you're seeing so many assists coming through the team in this game. I think the third thing, just the experimentation. You only got eight guys, and you're losing out on a major position at the one and even at the two. You got to tinker with things, and Mark Dagnalt did a very good job doing that. I think the first thing he did was making Al Horford the forefront of the offense. It really has not been that way with him. There have been times where he was the leader and scorer, I believe. But it's never like he has had the ball in his hands as much as he did in Friday's game. With those eight assists and getting a lot of rebounds, having seven of those, that's pretty nice already. But how about scoring the basketball? Nas Reed was not helping out up top, and Nas Reed's only 6'9", not as, I'd say, polished as Horford is around the basket. So he kind of had his number really everywhere in the game. And he led the entire night in points with 26 of them on 10 of 19 shooting and 3 of 6 outside. No one was able to stop Al Horford on the night. And seeing him play a bigger role on the offense is definitely a treat to be watching. I think you always need to mention Diallo and all these, as I've said, but how about Darius Miller finally getting real time? And he, I think he played like 10 minutes on Wednesday. He only got jumped up to 14 minutes in the game. He played the minimum out of all these eight guys. Everyone else 
they played well over 20 minutes. Nope, him, just a cool 14. But I think his role needs to get piked up a little bit because in 14 minutes, he had nine points on three of five from downtown. I think you may have found a good rotational piece of Miller. Just have him spotting out from three. I don't know exactly how the Thunder will patch up Hill's minutes being gone, but you know, maybe you could try something out where Williams plays at the two and you could throw in Roby or Darius Miller in at the three spot. I think Miller's more your traditional spot up guy. Roby, more of a curveball, I'd say. I think either of those would kind of work adequately well. And Miller made his case for why he should be playing much more than 14 minutes tonight. And just looking at the different units that we saw, I mean, Isaiah Roby, he was playing at the three spot. He's really just been playing at the four and five, like going into the year. Yeah, he was kind of expected to be the three or four. Looked very good whenever Al Horford has been resting. And now he needs to drop down because all the guards are either out or resting. He's, he's good. I'd probably, I'd probably compare him to like, if y'all play 2K or anything, maybe like a rebounding guard because he can shoot a little bit. He can drive a little bit. He can at times stop the center and get his rebounds, not 100%. And then offensively, sometimes he can get down low and kind of do the dirty work on the bigs and also stretch it out. Just a very unique piece who can do a little bit of everything. Sometimes he may get overpowered, but he's kind of able to stand tall wherever you want to throw him. And that's what Mark Dagnall did, put him at the three. And, you know, he was able to guard people kind of closer to his size, honestly. A lot faster than what he's used to. Didn't seem to be much of an issue. You saw Justin Jackson, who was touching the basketball a lot in this game. Justin Jackson, you know, whenever he's playing, he always seems to want the ball near him. Like, he'll run around to the basketball. I don't know if that's just, like, him going rampant or that's actually part of what's supposed to happen. But Jackson loves the attention when it comes to the offensive side of things. And he did it again. He played 30 minutes in the game. He shot three of nine, one of four from downtown. So he only got seven points, but he loves being active with the basketball. We've seen it before. We saw a couple, we saw a couple of floaters from him, more of him wanting to shoot outside, but you get a little piece of everything. Can't be surprised seeing him trying to shoot it all the time. I mean, normally uh, that that's what he's been doing. He passed nice, uh, two assists might be a career high for him. So good for him on that. I think shooting, you know, always loves, always loves shooting the basketball and, you know, Mark Dagnall kind of let him free here with the, with some of these other bigger guys. And he took one of these smaller roles of being the real shooter here. And then Baisley in this game, he shot just four of 14, one of six from outside. So a bit less than what we're used to still getting a double double and 12 points and 10 rebounds but I'm really happy that he was shooting despite not being super duper hot. One of six, a lot of those shots were coming off the dribble and he had the ball in his hands like Diallo. I'd say Diallo probably had it a bit more, but he's still, he's still a pretty big option uh, throughout this game. And he wanted to take the drive-ins, but when he, had, he, when he had room, he wanted to create the shot for himself. And he didn't kind of just get all boxed up and felt like he was in a corner. He just embraced the fact he wasn't shooting that well. He wanted to stop it. He couldn't stop the bleeding, of course, when it came to making 
shots, but it's good to see him kind of experimenting with the three whenever you got a game like this where, I mean, obviously this game had a lot of high stakes to it, but there's no SGA, there's no Dort. When he wants to be the main guy, get a little bit of in-game experience. And that's what happened with every single player who stepped on the floor tonight. They get a bigger, amped-up role and just trying to figure out what they can and cannot do against a team in the Minnesota Timberwolves who they have some rough patches here and there. See where they can exploit the team. And they exploited a lot of different areas because they were just three points away from beating a near fully healthy Minnesota team. And OKC, they're going to have another shot to test things out against these guys because, I mean, they're playing them tonight at 7 p.m. yet again. You got Super Bowl Sunday. They can't be playing on Super Bowl Sunday, so you got to do a back-to-back -back in the baseball set. The only question I have for the game is what's going to be happening with Al Horford. He has not played in back-to-back -back games. He has always rested the second game this season. He actually has to be active tonight unless one of... SGA, Dort, or Maladon gets upgraded to available in the game because you need eight. You need eight to play. That's the league minimum. If he drops out, there's no basketball game. I think what could end up happening is Al Horford. He could be listed as available for the game, but he may just be riding the bench the whole entire game. And it's just a little interesting thing. I believe this happened Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry's rookie year, I'd say. The final game of their season, I believe it was against the Portland Trailblazers, they ran into a similar issue where they had to play, or they had to have injured players listed as active for the team, and a bunch of the active players who were, like, really healthy, they got fouled out. So the people who were hurt had to step in and try to fill in for a little bit. Like, I know Ronnie Turioff, he played in that game, and that was how long we're talking right now. I think he actually tried to stick it out. He even re-aggravated his injury there. But there's a lot of pandemonium that can happen when there are players who you have to list as active and they really should not be playing. And this one, Al Horford, I mean, if he has to get called upon again, it's not like he's hurt or anything. He just likes resting. So he may actually give you the minutes. If he doesn't want to play though, he's going to have to fake an injury to get someone who's fouled out in again. And the Thunder have to have three out of their seven guys foul out for Horford to actually have to play or whoever the eighth man active is. But you can just fake it and then, you know, they get to come back in. I think the only stipulation is if they foul, it's like a technical foul or something. Plus they get the ball back. So a bit funky with the rule book there. I may have to recheck up on that and talk to you about it tomorrow. But yeah, just a little cool wrinkle in the rule book you have. You gotta be locking down Beasley, Russell, and Reed if you want to win the game. Even off the bench, they had a couple sweet pieces. I think Jake Lehman and um, Jalen Noel also dropped double digits. So I think you can kind of lay low on guys like Jake Lehman and Jalen Norwell. But you really do need to put some emphasis on guarding Reed, Russell, and Beasley. And I mean... I mean, Anthony Edwards was a bit cold in the last game. I didn't mention his stat line, but he had nine points off three of 14 shooting. A bit stagnant, but he can still go off. So you need to be treating him as one of those other guys that I've mentioned. You need to think of him as a primary option for this T-Wolves team. For the Thunder, 
think you gotta kind of run it back again everyone just amped up I do think maybe a little bit of Justin Jackson's minutes could go to Darius Miller I want to see him playing a little bit more but I think I want to see another game of Diallo trying to run point guard Darius Baisley jacking up as many threes as he wishes and all the other guys just kind of filling in doing whatever they feel comfortable with Another game of experimentation. You got it against one of the worst teams in the league with Minnesota again. So, should be a good one to watch. Other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.